Sunday not to be missed. Okay, we are continuing our preaching series, uh, looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, the title of the series is Joseph, Dream to Destiny. Uh, and just to say at Hope Church, we, we love to look at books of the Bible uh, and characters of the Bible. Uh, we just love to delve into those in the Word of God. Uh, and as we do that, God unlocks things. As you go through a book and you don't skip passages or, or difficult parts, but you delve into Scripture, you see the whole counsel of God. And uh, Joseph's life is this unbelievable drama. I mean, I told you last week it's been made into a musical, a film. It is a fantastic drama. And it begins with a dream, a dream that God gives to Joseph, a dream that is birthed in a dysfunctional family. It's important to, to say that straight off, that all families are dysfunctional, okay? They just are. My family is dysfunctional. If you think your family is not dysfunctional, ask the children. They will tell you that your family is dysfunctional, okay? My family at bedtime, my family when it's time to get out the door and go to school, okay? It's dysfunctional. We have our moments. We, we have those arguments. We have those times. So Joseph's dream came from God into his context of a dysfunctional family. Joseph's family was riddled with sexual sin, favoritism, anger, jealousy, and last week, we got to the point where Joseph's 11 brothers, his 11 brothers grabbed him and threw him down a pit, down a vast shaft of a pit. And he was then eventually sold into slavery. That's where we left off last week. Now, we are going to skip Genesis 38. Uh, that's an interlude in the life of Joseph. It doesn't mention Joseph at all. I mean, you can go and read Genesis 38, and it makes Game of Thrones look like a PG. I mean, it's full of brokenness and mess and sin and just, just absolute brokenness of a family. And again, just not to delve into it because we haven't got time and we're focusing on the story of Joseph, but I believe the writer Moses, Moses was the writer of Genesis, Moses was, was telling us, again, look, God's people are broken. The church is not for perfect people. The people of God are not perfect. You know, I always think if you're looking for a perfect church, you'll never find one. Okay, the, the, the people of God are, are broken people whom God loves and uses despite our imperfections. Having said that, the church is the bride of Christ, glorious, and to be treated with honor and respect. Okay, let's go to Genesis 39 and verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So Joseph is sold as a slave, and sold to a man called Potiphar. The Lord 
was with Joseph, so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. The Lord was with Joseph. It says that a number of times in verse 2 and verse 3. It talks about the favor of God being upon Joseph and the Lord blessing Joseph. Joseph is a slave, but in Potiphar's house, he finds success and favor. Last week, we, we looked at the point that God's favor follows you into the pit and it follows you out of the pit. Now, I just want to make something incredibly uh, significant and important clear. Success and favor that God gives to us is not a bad thing. God's favor continued to be with Joseph. Now, it's important that we understand this, that because of God's favor on Joseph, he was successful. Now, there's nothing wrong with being successful. Sometimes as Christians, we can frown on success. We can frown on things going well. We think somehow that, that there's something wrong with that. But you know, in all of us, God has put a desire to be successful. He's put within us a desire to flourish. There's a yearning inside each of us to do better. God has wired you and I to be successful, to flourish. The issue was, way back in Genesis 3, the issue was with the first family, when they took that, that bite of the forbidden fruit, it sent shockwaves to humanity that we're wrestling with today. And there's a really interesting comparison here between Adam and Eve and between Joseph. You see, Adam and Eve failed at the first temptation. But Joseph succeeded when the first temptation came. Adam and Eve failed when they were in a perfect existence in the Garden of Eden. They, they failed and took the tree, that took the fruit from the forbidden tree. Joseph was in a broken, messed up existence, and yet he succeeded. You see, the good news for you and me is because of Jesus Christ, we can succeed regardless of the circumstances around us. 
And, and I want us to have a little bit of a, of a mind flip. And the mind flip is, it is good to celebrate success. It is good to celebrate God's favor on your life. It's good to celebrate a promotion at work. It's good to celebrate when your business goes well. It is good to celebrate healthy, thriving families and relationships. They are good things to celebrate. We're made to thrive. We're made to see breakthrough. We, we mustn't live at the level of our excuses. As a church, we're to go out into the world and we're to be leaders in business. We're to be leaders in the schools that we're teachers in, in the NHS jobs we have, in the media work that we do, in the software design work that we do. We're to be Christians who the favor of God is upon us and we see success. Why? Because of the favor of God upon us. I, I want us to, we're going to get to the other stuff in this story in a minute, but, but I want us to get hold of this because I think it's so important that we should stop living at a lid of our excuses. I mean, just think again about Joseph. Joseph, that, that he could have just been full of excuses. Oh, I, I'm, I was messed around by my brothers. They were horrible to me. I, I was sold as a slave. It's, it's not fair. I'm with this guy Potiphar. I'm a thousands of miles away from home. He could have just made every excuse under the sun. But no, the favor of God was upon him. He walked in the favor of God, that God was with him, and there was success and flourishing even as a slave. Just want you to hear that. The, the pull of the story is what happens next, which we're about to come to. But I want you to get that, that success and seeing God flourishing in your career or in your family life or in areas of your life that you give yourself to, that is a good thing. Christians, we want to flourish and be successful. That is a good thing. Joseph flourished. He flourished. He found success in Potiphar's house. Why? Because God was with him. His favor was upon him. God's favor is upon you. Go out into the world and see success and flourish and see God use your gifts and talents and abilities. Okay. Now we're getting to the fun stuff. All right, so verse 6. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Okay, the Bible says it as it is, doesn't it? The Bible tells us that Joseph was kind of like a good-looking guy. He had a six-pack, okay? This was no weedy man. This was a strong, good-looking guy, okay? That's Joseph. And after a while, his master's wife, took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. He refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? 
And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, I just want to put her voice, come to, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hands and ran out of the house. Come to, no, stop, Mark, just, 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 just read, just read, just read. All right, now, do you know something really interesting? All right, the, the, the story of Joseph has created a lot of art down the centuries. And you might think that a lot of artists would have chosen to draw or paint pictures of Joseph's coat or Joseph in prison or Joseph as the prime minister of Egypt. But, you know, by far the most popular pieces of art are of Joseph with Potiphar's Wife. Here's just one example uh, on, on the screen. You know, this is from 1632, uh, which is a picture, I'm sure it'll come up in a moment, uh, of, of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And there are literally hundreds of these types of paintings down the century. And you think, why does this scene capture the imagination so much? Why? I think it's because it's a scene of humanity. Because temptation is something that we all wrestle with. Hope Church, it's important to say that we are all tempted. Temptation is part of life. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect man who did not sin, was tempted in every way. The question is not, have you been tempted? The question is rather, have you given in to temptation? Now, here's what I want to focus on and I want to delve into and I want to help you with in terms of temptation. Temptation is tailored to derail your dreams. I'll say that one more time. Temptation is tailored to derail your dreams. That's why we need to take it seriously. Joseph had been given a dream. His dream was of a family legacy. His dream was that through Joseph, the mission of God would carry on. Potiphar's wife was tailor-made to destroy that dream, the dream that God had put over Joseph. Now, we've got to be honest because when temptation beats in our heart, we don't think straight. There's like an inner dialogue that goes on in our minds. And we've got to remember again that Joseph was a slave. He'd risen up in Potiphar's household. There was God's favor upon him and hard work that he had done. But he was still a slave. He was a slave in an incredibly privileged and powerful position. But he would have been thinking, temptation would have been going on in his mind, I need to go through with this. I need to do this. I need to go through with this. Or I'll lose it all. 
I need to do this or I'll be kicked out of home. I need to do this, otherwise I won't preserve my position or or my power. Or, Or maybe Potiphar will never know. Potiphar will never find out. All of us will find ourselves in, of varying degrees, different situations where we have to, 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 to kind of deal with the temptation, can I really afford not to do fill in the gap? Can I really afford not to do that temptation? Because if I don't do it, I might lose everything I have. Now, here's something really interesting that the commentators were kind of playing around with, just reading about it this week. You know, the Bible doesn't say that Potiphar's wife was a beautiful woman. But don't say that. It says that that, that Joseph was drop-dead handsome with a six-pack. It doesn't comment on Potiphar's wife. It doesn't, you know. I think that one of the reasons for that is you can step into Joseph's shoes because of that reason. Because you can step into his shoes and, and either you are tempted because you find someone else attractive. There's the, there's the kind of the sexual trans, uh, kind of immediate attraction. But maybe it's not that. It's not that at all. But what the temptation is, is the power, the position and the status that was involved in this temptation. You know, so, so whichever one it is, whether it is that she was attractive and Joseph was tempted physically, or that it wasn't that, but he was tempted because of the power, the prestige, and the status that came with being in Potiphar's house. Either way, all of us can relate at some point. When temptation comes, we can step into Joseph's shoes. And we've got to ask the question, when temptation comes to our lives, Am I willing for this temptation to derail my dream? In a marriage, is a moment of pleasure enough to look into the eyes of my children off the back of an affair? Is a moment of pleasure worth derailing the dream? In a workplace, will I lie cover up, keep quiet, because I might lose my job. We have to believe that God has a plan for our career and for our job, and that we are to follow him. So, how do we overcome temptation? Temptation is tailored to derail your dreams, Joseph does it so well. He resists temptation. And I want to pick out two things that he does to help you and to help I when it comes to temptation. Number one, regularly and personally experience the presence of God. How, in a nutshell... Did Joseph overcome the temptation of Potiphar's wife? It was because he was regularly, personally experiencing the presence of God. In the scripture we've just read, it said, verse 2 to 3, that God was with Joseph. It says that twice. 
It says that there was an intimacy, an acknowledgement on Joseph's behalf that God was with him. Joseph experienced God with him in Potiphar's house. There's a man called Brother Lawrence who wrote um, a very famous book called Practicing the Presence. He was a, a 17th century monk. And the thing about this book that is so incredibly helpful and so incredibly practical is that it talks about how we experience God in every single day of our lives. It talks about how we experience God in the everyday, in the mundane, in the washing up, in the the tending to the garden, in the walking from A to B, in the getting up in the morning, in the brushing our teeth and going to bed, in all the mundane things of our lives. The book talks about practicing the presence of knowing that God is with us every day, all the time. There's something special about a Sunday when we gather, when we gather as God's people, when we gather. But a Christian, being a Christian, you see, being a Christian is about practicing his presence. It's about practicing the presence of God and knowing that God is with us. The danger sometimes for us is that we keep God at arm's length. And we keep him at arm's length because, well, it's all about principles. Well, it's all about ideas and it's all even about scripture. Because Jesus said of the Pharisees, they had a form of religion, but their hearts were far from God. The Pharisees scarily knew their Bible because they knew their Bible, but they didn't experience God. Joseph experienced God. God was with him. God and Joseph walked through life. In Joseph's house, sorry, in Potiphar's house, they were sharing fellowship and sharing communion. They walked through life together. Interestingly enough, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what does he do? He quotes scripture. Now, Scripture is a mighty tool, but you can have all the Scripture in the world lined up and still fail when it comes to temptation. Why? Because you're not experiencing intimacy and you're not experiencing the presence of God. You're not walking in your day-to-day life with Jesus. That's what a Christian does, walks through life, not alone, but with Jesus. On the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, when he took our sin upon his self so that we might have his righteousness, Jesus spoke these words. He said, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus was separated from the Father. Jesus was separated from the Father so that you and I never need to be. We are always with the Lord Jesus. We never need to be separated from him. Jesus was separated from the Father so that you and I never need to be separated from him. So temptation, temptation is designed to take us off track, to derail our dreams. 
What do we need to counter that? We need the presence of God. You look at Isaiah, Isaiah 6. I'm not going to read the famous passage, but you look where where Isaiah came into the very presence of God. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Woe is me who is unclean. You saw in Isaiah a transformation that took place because he met the Lord. How do we experience the presence of God? We experience the presence of God in worship. There's something incredibly powerful and special about corporate worship where we experience the presence of God. But it's also inviting, like in Brother Lawrence's practicing the presence, it's also inviting and recognizing Jesus in the everyday. Saying, Jesus, come with me as I walk to the tube station. Jesus, thank you, you're with me in the bathroom as I'm brushing my teeth. Jesus, would you fill me afresh with your spirit as I go into work and I go into a work meeting? It's acknowledging that God is with you every step of the way. If you do that, if you have a greater awareness of God with you, it will help you when temptation comes. Because you know that God is there with you, fighting for you and on your side. You know that you're not alone. You'll know that he is there with you. His presence is there with you. That's what Joseph knew. He knew that God was with him when Potiphar's wife came, tempting him. And he said no, because he knew he was not alone. He was not alone. So the key, the first key to conquer temptation is to regularly, personally experience the presence of God. Secondly, Joseph also defeats temptation by directing his desire. Really, this story is a tale of two desires. It's a tale of Potiphar's wife who had a desire for Joseph. Maybe she was lonely. Maybe she wanted a companion. Maybe she had a romantic fantasy that she wanted to fulfill. Maybe she just had this carnal pleasure that that she wanted to fulfill. Whatever it was, Potiphar's wife's desire was for Joseph. Joseph, on the other hand, his desire was for him. His desire was for God. His desire was for holiness. Joseph's desire was for the presence of God. When you are tempted, as you will be, when you are tempted, it boils down to this. Where is my ultimate desire? Is it in fulfilling the temptation? Or is my ultimate desire found in the Lord Jesus Christ? James 1, verse 14 to 15 says this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. 
You see, our own desire leads to death. Why did Joseph run? Why did he get out of there as soon as he could? Why did he run? He ran because his desire was for God and not for part of his wife. His desire was for God and not for power or status. His desire was for God alone. If he had desired anything other than God, he would have given up in his temptation. You see, when it boils down to it, if you desire anything other than God, then you are vulnerable to attack from the enemy. And all of us struggle with this. There is a tempter out there actively attacking our desires. The Bible says that Satan prowls around, prowls around us. And our heart, our heart is active and hungry. And we have to ask the question, what am I feeding my desires? What am I watching? What am I scrolling? What are the conversations I'm having with my friends? The Bible tells us, you see, that the heart is deceitful. The heart plays tricks on you. The heart will mess you around. But only God can satisfy and can heal the human heart. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Resist the devil, and he will flee. You see, Joseph's greatest desire was to honor God, and interestingly, to honor Potiphar. And actually, you see there, Jesus' two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love one another. And, and Joseph doesn't want to dishonor God, and nor does he want to dishonor his neighbor. He doesn't want to dishonor Potiphar, his boss. He doesn't want to dishonor him by sleeping with his wife. So Joseph resisted temptation. He resisted temptation. Because he directed his desire. His desire was directed to God and God alone. Okay, let's read what happened next. Pick out from verse 13. When Potiphar's wife saw that Joseph had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, I wanted to do the voices. Look, she said to them. This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confided. So what happens next? The story 
that we're reading, chapter 39, ends with Joseph in prison. So just think this through. Joseph followed God's commands. He resisted temptation. And what happens? He ends up in prison. He ends up in a cold, dark prison. Now you might say, oh, wouldn't it have been better if he'd have given in to temptation? Wouldn't it have been better that he could have survived in the house? Wouldn't he got on better with, you know, Potiphar and Potiphar's wife? He'd have just, you know, just given in that once. I'm sure she wouldn't have come again. So, and nobody would have known. And wouldn't that have been better? Then he would have survived. Joseph would have survived in Potiphar's house. But listen, God doesn't call us to survive. He calls us to thrive. And you see, Joseph, by being a faithful slave who honors God, starts succeeding. He starts thriving. Not in the way that you would expect, but in God's plan. He ends up in prison. But that's where this last point comes in. God's favor is not defined by circumstance. I'll say that again. God's favor is not defined by circumstance. What you have here is God navigating Joseph through an unlikely path, a path to greater power and prestige than he ever had with Potiphar. Because think about it, if he had given into that temptation, he would have almost certainly stayed under the ceiling of Potiphar's household. Even if he'd never ever been found out, he would have risen no higher than Potiphar's household. But he resisted temptation. He stayed true to God's word. He said no to temptation. And where does he end up? He ends up as the prime minister of Egypt at the right hand of Pharaoh. So you might be on a roller coaster right now. A roller coaster of challenges and temptations. But listen, you are to trust God, because God's favor is upon you. Whatever your circumstances look like, God's favor is upon you. He has a plan for your life, and his favor is upon you. So important. I want many of you to be encouraged this morning that God's favor is upon you, whatever your circumstances may be telling you. Now, to wrap this up, to wrap this up this morning, I want you to hear when temptation comes knocking at the door, which it will, because temptation is a part of life. I don't want you to let temptation derail the dream that God has for you. How, how do you fight? How do you resist? Experience the presence of God daily and personally. 
And again, there's something special about Sunday and the corporate worship. But also it takes, it takes you being intentional during the week. It takes you being intentional and, and, and opening your heart and mind and letting the Lord Jesus come and be with you in the everyday and be with you in the seemingly mundane. So we fight temptation through experiencing the presence of God personally and every day. And it's about where, where is our ultimate desire? Who or what is our ultimate desire? There's a battle for your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. There's a battle for your heart. You can tell your heart today, my desire is Jesus. But you need to tell it again tomorrow. And you need to tell it again on Thursday and on Friday night and on Saturday morning. It's a battle for who or what is your ultimate desire. And only if your ultimate desire is the Lord Jesus Christ will you be able to fully fight and resist temptation.